0: Welcome. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life. Someone was asking about this uh, squiggly line that... Uh, Brandy uh, Drew for our graphic uh, for this series, and uh, probably most of you know what that is because if you uh, have looked at a, a voice file on a computer, uh, it gets bigger as it gets louder and smaller as it gets softer and, and things like that. But just by seeing that, you can't hear what's said. Uh, you'd have to be listening and seeing it both on the computer Okay. see the file go up and down. I, I'm glad that when it comes to what Jesus said, he speaks with clarity. Don't you? Uh, aren't you, that, you know, glad that he does that? We, uh, we can definitely hear from him and figure out what he's saying. We're in week five of the series we've called Commands of Christ. Uh, started out talking about the command of repent and believe. We need to agree with God that we're sinners and we need to exercise faith in Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. The next command he gave was for us to be baptized, not in order to be saved, but because we have been saved, to give a picture of what he's done in our lives. Jesus commands us to pray, to carry on communion and fellowship uh, with uh, him and the Father. Last week, as we were having our missions report from the team that went to Guatemala, uh, Brad uh, McBride unpacked for us the uh, uh, thought of making disciples out of the Great Commission, how we're called to do that, to go to all nations and make disciples. Today, we're at this topic. Jesus commands us to love. We're gonna be in John chapter 13. Verse 34 and 35, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now I'm going to unpack that and break it down uh, more in in a moment. But to set the context of Jesus saying this, Earlier in the same chapter, some things are taking place. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and I I think maybe it gives us a good background to Jesus having talked about love. John chapter 13, verse 21, Jesus informs them that one of them, one within the disciples is going to betray him. Of course, we'll find out ultimately it's Judas. See, he lets them know. He says, after saying these things, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testify truly truly i say to you one of you will betray me Regrettably, that happens in life people will betray us sometimes even believers betray other believers disappoint people let them down and that's very confusing uh, to them many times so that's why we need this call to love even more because we can experience betrayal in life as jesus said that he was going to that'd be very confusing for the disciples And Jesus lets them know that they need to love each other. Later on that same chapter, it says when he had gone out, talking about Judas going out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. So Jesus is saying, it's about time for the cross. It's about time for me to do what I was called to do. I'm going to be going to the cross. And he's talking about God being glorified through that, uh, him coming to do God's kingdom work, the assignment that he had of going to the cross. In kind of a similar way, we, we need to understand that we should be trying to bring glory to the Father by the way we love each other. Jesus also said this in verse 33, little children, by the way, that's a term in the Greek that shows uh, uh, you know fondness and love uh, that Jesus has for believers, for his disciples. Little children, yet a little while I'm with you and you will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you where I'm going, you cannot come. So Jesus gives them uh, information that something's about to happen, that he's gonna go somewhere that they can't follow, at least not right away. And that too would be very much a reason why the disciples would need to love each other because this one they had followed for these years, Jesus, now is saying, I'm going to leave you. And yet they're going to be left behind. So Jesus begins to prepare them for what's about to happen as he tells them that they need to love each other. Some lessons that we need to learn ourselves, I think, from that. Jesus is going to be going away. And yet, even in his absence, in the meantime, it's like Jesus is saying, from the time I leave until we're reunited, here's what I want you to do. I want you to love each other. Isn't it interesting that even in the absence of Jesus, we can still experience the love of Jesus between believers as we practice love toward each other? That being said, I want us to look at some reasons why and some results that come from us obeying this command to love. To begin with, we're going to look at the model of love. And the model of love is the reason why we ought to love. We're going to see in this passage of Scripture that Jesus himself is literally the, the model of love. In other words, if you want to see how to love, look at Jesus. Look at his life, look at his death, look at what Jesus does. And by us looking at Jesus, we can figure out how we ought to love each other. He said a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I've loved you. You're also to love one another. He, he's the very model, the demonstration of love that we need to look at. And here as he's preparing to go away, and he's preparing his disciples for it, by focusing on this topic of love, he gives them a fresh commandment, a fresh commandment the reason i call that a a fresh commandment on this on this point is because that's really what the word means when jesus says a new commandment he's not talking about a commandment that's never ever been given before he's not talking about a new commandment in in terms of age uh, or time or anything like that and instead the word that's used here means new as in freshness it's a fresh command it's it's a command that jesus has given them not something they would never heard about before but he's calling them to have a fresh perspective on this command to love each other to love others see it wasn't a new thing because in the old testament god had already told multiple times and just a sampling of that that told believers that they ought to, his people that they ought to love each other. Exodus chapter 20 verse 12 through 17, Leviticus 19, 18. I'll read that in just a moment. Leviticus 33, 34, Deuteronomy 5, 16, 21, also 22, uh, 1 through 4. And that's just a sampling of it. Multiple times he tells us in the Old Testament that we're to love each other. So it's not a new command as though they've never heard it. A sampling of it Is here in Leviticus 19, 18. You shall not take vengeance or bear grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So he's not telling them something they've never heard. Instead, there's this new fresh concept of love that Jesus is telling his disciples about. In the new, fresh concept of love, he said, you're to love each other as I have loved you. So the way we can understand that, as I said a moment ago, is look at his life. And also look what he did in going to the cross. As we look at the life of Jesus, we can see Jesus, how Jesus treated other people, how he loved people, how he cared for them, how he met their needs. So as we study the life of Jesus, we can figure out how we ought to love each other. But also as we look at the death of Jesus, as he went to the cross in our place for our sins, sacrificially dying for us through his life and through his death, we can better see how we ought to love each other. Because that involves sacrificially loving each other too. So we, by this fresh experience of Jesus' love, learn how to love others. That's what he's telling the disciples. And also the soon coming of the Holy Spirit, whom the Holy Spirit would indwell the lives of believers. The power of the Holy Spirit would equip them and enable them to love like Jesus is telling them they ought to love in this passage of of Scripture. He says a new command or a new commandment I give you. It means exactly what you think it means. It means that Jesus gives us an injunction, an authoritative prescription, a command, or a precept. The root word means to enjoin, to give charge in the way that is placed here in the, in the Greek language, it also means this, it denotes a fixed position attached to a definite point of goal. The definite point of goal is that we love each other. That's what he's telling us to do. That's the goal. That's the point that Jesus is talking about, but he's given a commandment in a fixed position. So in other words, we don't have an out. We can't say, oh, that's just for the disciples then and there. It doesn't have any application to us. No, when Jesus said this new commandment I give to you, it's a commandment that was in a fixed position that's still active so all of us are still under the obligation to love each other we, we don't have an out or an escape from it he said this new commandment i, I give and the word give means in the widest application so he's really 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 in a huge way telling us that we have to love each other this new commandment i give to you in that phrase literally means as with or by you so you kind of look at it like this it's as though jesus came over and dumps in our lap This commandment to love, or he lays it right beside of us, and it's our obligation to do something about it, for us to pick up that commandment and make it active in our lives to where we love each other. This new commandment that he gives, this commandment that he is telling us to love, placing by us, we need to pick it up, because you see, this fresh commandment needs to become a followed commandment. A followed commandment. He goes on and he says that you love, this new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. See, we say we're the followers of Christ. If you know Christ as your savior, you're supposed to be a follower of Christ. That means you're to follow also this commandment, be obedient to this commandment, that we are to love one another just as he has loved us, we're to love one another. He's he's saying I'm giving you this new commandment in order that the purpose of it is that you do What I'm telling you to do, that you love each other. It's the moral type of love, the social type of love. It's its similar to the agape type of love, built upon the same word. It's not a word that's just based upon our emotions, like we fall in love with someone. It is not the sexual word for love. That seems to be the only word our culture knows anything about anymore. It's not the eros, eros type of love. It's not just the brotherly love, the phileo type of love. The type of love he's talking about here is the God type of love. We're being called as his disciples, his followers, to practice his type of love. Chapter 1 through 12 of the Gospel of John, the word love appears 12 times. On average, that's about one. It is one for every chapter. doesn't mean it occurs in every chapter, but 12 times from chapter 1 to chapter 12. From chapter 13 through chapter 22, it is used 44 times the word for love well what happened what changed here's what happened what I said a moment ago he's preparing his believers his followers his disciples for what is about to come he is preparing them for the fact that he's going to leave he's preparing them for the fact that they're going to see him arrested and beaten and abused and nailed to a cross He's preparing them for that. And the way he prepares for for that is this. He's telling them, you need to love each other so you can make it through all the junk that you're about to face. That's why he stresses that many times in the rest of the book of John, 44 times, he tells us that we're to love one another. It's his farewell message to his disciples. And it's still a message that we need ourselves. We have no idea on any given Sunday how many people show up here that the world has beaten up and abused, that has faced traumatic circumstances, problems, trials in their life. And they show up here on Sunday. One thing they better be able to find is to see us loving each other and loving them. Because people are going through terrible circumstances like these disciples are about to go through terrible circumstances. Jesus is preparing them for it by saying, I want you to love one another. That phrase, one another, means to reduplicate. In other words, it's something you're sharing back and forth. I love you, you love me. We're to be practicing love in that way. He said, just as, and that means in the exact same way as Jesus has loved us. Once again, that's the same word we saw a minute ago, the agape type of love. Because Jesus loved us We are to love each other. There's a thought he's given us. He said, you also, and that means in order that we're to love each other as he loved us. That helps us have a a, a formula to kind of use. We look at how Jesus loved us and we're to practice it in the same way. You also, in order that, and it's a plural form, so it affects all of us. And it has a cognitive cumulative force. And that means this, the love of Jesus ought to still be built in in our lives to where we practice it toward each other. Now, we'll see more about why in just a few moments, but he clearly calls us to love each other. Now, someone's probably sitting there thinking, preacher, all that's well and good. Uh, I understand Jesus said that, but you don't know the people I have to deal with. That crossed somebody's mind already? You don't know the people I have to deal with at work. You don't know the people I have to deal with in my family. You don't know even the people I have to deal with at church sometimes. And I understand Jesus says we're to love each other, but you just don't know the people I have to deal with. Before you start making yourself too much of an excuse, I want to remind you of something. Judas betrayed Jesus, sold him for 30 pieces of silver, went with the guards to point him out and to have him arrested. And yet Jesus from the cross said, Father, forgive them. And that included Judas. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> so before you and I try and have an excuse, saying, well, I can't really love others like Jesus tells me to because they're so mean in the way they act and the way they treat me. Well, Jesus loved Judas. But I think that does away with our excuse that we can't love others if Jesus loved Judas. See, this is kind of a revolutionary command that Jesus is given because he's calling upon his believers to love each other the way Jesus loves us, and that includes a sacrificial love. Jesus came into this world, part of the reason, his main reason was to go to the cross, and that's included in what I'm about to say, his love. But he comes into this world, he came into this world as a living example of the love of God. And you and I as Christians are supposed to also continue to be living examples of the love of God. That's what's included in you and I saying that we're the followers of Jesus. Jesus calls us to love others as he loved us in the same way that he loved us. And by the way, love is more than an emotion. Love is an action word. It might come out of an emotion. We can be emotional about it. But love is not just some squishy warm feeling you have in your mind or in your heart. Love is something you carry out and you prove it by the deeds that you have in your life. It's an action word. We're to follow the command of Christ, to love others. The model of love, Jesus, the model of love should compel us to this, toward this, the motive of love. The motive of love. That's the result of our love. The reason of our love is Jesus loving us. The results of our love is found in what Jesus says in verse 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if, if, if you have love for one another. Jesus is the model of love for us to follow. He's the reason why we ought to love. But Jesus tells us there's a motive of love. You and I need to love each other and we need to love others because we need to make a kingdom impact upon the world that we live in. We need a kingdom of God impact in our homes, in our churches, where we work at. We need to make a kingdom impact upon this world. And the way Jesus says we can do that is by loving each other. The practice of authentic, demonstrated love. Here's why Jesus tells us to love each other. The practice, us actually practicing authentic, demonstrated love convinces others. Convinces others. He said, by this... All people will know you're my disciples. That word by is the same word that's translated in sometimes, and we've already alluded to it earlier in the message. It talks about a fixed position. So, in a fixed position, by this, by us in a fixed position, loving each other as Jesus loved us, by this, by his love, all people, any, All, every, the whole, that's what the word means, will know, and that phrase in the Greek means absolute knowledge. They will know without any doubt. They'll have absolute knowledge of the fact that we are His disciples, we're His learners, we're His followers. We've understood the message. A light come on in our soul when we trusted Christ as Savior. And the way we prove that to a lost and dying world is by loving each other Christians practice and love is a mark of distinction for believers. by this, all people will know that you 're my disciples. Jesus did not say, people will know you 're my disciples by the way you dress in other words, just because you dress up on Sunday and you put on a really nice suit and and, uh, and things like that um, I, threw that out the door a little bit and we're starting day three i hate to wear ties whoever came up with the concept of wearing ties needs to be hung but one until he repents that he ever came up with the idea of wearing ties it's just my opinion but we're not going to impress other people that we're his disciples by the way we dress we're not going to convince other people that we're his disciples by us putting this under our arm. I don't care if it's this size or if you grab the family Bible, it weighs 35 pounds and you put it under your arm and you carry it everywhere you go. That's not going to convince people that you're his disciples. Regrettably, we try to convince people we are his disciples by having all these rules that we so adhere to that we, in a really condemning way, try to apply toward a lost and dying world. And here's the craziness of that. It's crazy for us as believers to take that approach because lost people are going to act like what? Lost people. And for us to try and apply our Christianized rules to a lost world doesn't work. And that is, they don't even understand it. They just rebel against that because they think we're just being mean-spirited bigots and things like that as we try to apply it to them. Those things aren't the thing that marks us, that gives us the distinction of being believers, Jesus says, if we'll love each other as he has loved us, in the same way that he loved us, the evidence of them seeing that type of love practiced with believers, between believers, is what convinces them. This concept of love is so important. The New Testament has a lot to say about it. And I really felt like I needed just to kind of pause for a minute and read you a lot of verses and make just a few comments as we go about love, and then we'll get back to the, to the, the main part of the message and the outline and things like that in a moment. And this isn't exhaustive. What I'm about to do is not exhaustive, by the way. It's not exhaustive at all. What it, what it is is just something that, uh, that helps us see the importance of love. Before I start reading those, I want to point out to you this. You and I loving each other is not so much proving that we're authentic because it's not about us to begin with. You understand that? It's proving he's authentic. It's proving he makes a difference in our lives. It's proving that he's real, that his gospel's real that he offers forgiveness, and he changes lives. And is seen by the way we love each other. Look at some of these verses. John chapter 15, a little bit later here in the same book that we're in today. John 13 is where we're at. John 15, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Does that sound familiar? That we just read it a moment ago? Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Sacrificial type of love that he's talking about you're my friends if you do what i command you so if we want to prove we're a friend of jesus we need to do what he commands us to do that includes loving each other let's keep reading john chapter 15 16 17 you didn't choose me some of you might thought well i chose jesus that's just what you think he says that he chose you he said i chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Jesus, in other words, Jesus, his followers to bear fruit that abides in one way that works is if we love each other. We can encourage abiding fruit by loving each other in the right way. Keep reading. First John chapter two, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there's no cause for stumbling but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes I rubbed shoulders with this a couple weeks back but I want to come back to it again for a moment because this here sounds kind of serious to me doesn't that sound serious to you so in other words if you have an ongoing long carrying grudge to where you're hating someone else and you can't put it down you probably need to get off in a corner and pray and pray and pray and ask god to help you forgive that person and if you still can't do it you might need to reflect a little bit whether you really have experienced the forgiveness of jesus yourself because he says that if you you walk around with this hatred against your brother all the time you're walking in darkness let's keep reading For this is the message that you heard from the beginning say message we're looking at today that we should love one another a little bit later on in that same chapter. And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of the, his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. So here's his commandment. Believe, and then we need to love each other just as he commanded us. Let's keep reading. Next slide. Uh, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, in other words, to be the payment for our sins, to shed his blood for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, what did he do to prove his love to us? He sent his son to die for our sins, sacrificial death. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, so people can't really just look and see God right now, but guess what? God abides, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. People can see God through the love that we practice toward each other. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he's seen cannot love God whom he has not seen in this commandment we have from him whoever loves god must also love his brother next slide and now i ask you dear lady not as though i were writing you a new commandment no because it's something already been said but the one We have heard from the beginning that we love one another, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. One way we prove that we love him, and one way we practice the love that he tells us to practice is to walk in it. Walk according to his commandments. Walk according to the love that he's given us. Next slide. Romans chapter 10, owe no one anything. A lot of times people really key in on that and they talk about debt. And that is something that we need to be concerned about, you know, being in excess debt. But it seems like people just talk about that part of it and they don't keep reading. Because we do have a debt, owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law, the commandments. And then it goes through you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. Any of the commandments are summed up in this word you should love your neighbor as yourself because love doesn't do any wrong to his neighbor in other words if you love other people like you ought to be loving them like jesus calls you to love them you're not going to commit adultery against them you're, you're not going to murder them you're not going to steal from them you're, you're, you're not going to do all those things because you love them too much next slide ephesians says therefore be imitators of god a lot of times we think, man, I wish I could be more godly. I wish I could be more like God. Here's one way you can be. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And then in Colossians chapter 3, verse 14, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. See, we, we focus a lot on all the other stuff. And many times we're guilty as the church and as believers are focusing upon maybe other commands or other rules or things like that, and we leave love out of it. But it's more or less like Paul under divine inspiration here is saying, none of that is of any good unless it's all bound together with what? Love. Because love is what convinces people that we're authentic. Love, the practice of demonstrated love convinces others that we, in fact, are authentic and Jesus is authentic, but but the absence of authentic demonstrated love instead of convincing others, it confuses others. He said, If you have love, if, if, if you have love one for another, in the Greek just like it is in english that's a conditional particle in other words it's saying it's a particle of conditionality in other words it's whether or not it happens you see if we don't have love for one another we're not going to be convincing people we're not going to be coming across as authentic if we don't love each other as jesus loved us there's that uncertainty there if you have and that means to hold as a possession in the Greek, if you hold his possession that God type of love that we've already talked about several times, in a fixed position for, in a fixed position for one another, in a fixed permanent way, we need to constantly be reduplicating love, sharing love with each other, back and forth, his type of love, because he so loved us, we need to be loving others and if we fail to do it he said if you have love one for the other if we fail to do it it's very confusing to the lost world around us the lost world needs to see believers loving believers but what do they see sometimes Regrettably, there have been times, even our own denomination, when there's such a struggle between liberals and conservatives, and you go off and have national conventions and things like that, and they'd be arguing and bickering, and the news media just loves to grab that and put it out there because they can paint Christians in a bad light because we're there fussing and fighting and everything. You know what? That causes the lost world to think probably, hey, if Jesus don't mean enough to keep you guys from fighting and fussing with each other, Why do we need him? Not just denominations, but churches. Having upheavals and splits and things like that taking place. And it winds up looking to the world around them, the community around them. Well, if, if those believers aren't more impacted by the love of Jesus, if they aren't motivated by his love to really love each other, then why should we think that they really love us? Because regrettably, what they do see many times is petty, bickering, and jealousy, and judgmental attitudes, and self-righteousness, and gossip, and division when they look at, at believers. And Jesus tells us we need to be convinced of them by the love that we have for each other. Once again, that's not just warm, cushy feelings. It's something that we carry out. It might be an attitude, but we carry it out in action. How do we do that? How do we love like Jesus? Man, in just some practical ways, you more than likely won't have to be nailed to a cross. You might be sometime, but more than likely not. But we can communicate the love of Jesus, display the love of Jesus by helping others when it's inconvenient. You think it was convenient for Jesus to leave heaven? You think it was convenient for Jesus to come into this world and be rejected and sped upon and abused and then nailed to a cross? You think that was convenient for him? We need to find ways to help others when it's inconvenient to us. When it changes our schedule. By giving when it hurts. Jesus gave until it hurt we can communicate god's love to others by giving what it hurts by devoting energy to the welfare of others instead of just our own welfare by absorbing the hurts from others without complaining or fighting back or trying to get revenge we just learn to absorb it by loving sacrificially so here here think about this see if you don't agree with this even non-believers have this concept at least here, or they've heard it. Nonbelievers understand that Jesus loved people for the most part. Unless they've never read or never heard Jesus, but for the most part in our culture, don't you agree with that? Nonbelievers still, they would know enough to know that Jesus loved people. Do you agree with that? That means they've got an expectation upon our lives to see us practice love because we say we're his followers they 've got an expectation, an honest expectation because we say we 're following Jesus and Jesus loved others for them to see us love each other. Think about that if we can 't at least love each other, what hope do we give a lost world that we really care for them that Jesus really makes a difference if we if we don 't love each other, see the lost world is kind of saying where 's the love of Jesus that you preach about that you talk about we don 't see it active in your life so why should we believe that you love us the lost world said why should we believe jesus will change our lives for the good when we don't see him changing your life as a believer and as a follower let me illustrate that for a moment remember the story of the good samaritan i'll just we're not going to read it i'm just going to walk through the highlights of it but in the story of the good samaritan there's this uh man probably a, a, a jew um, more than likely that's what most commentators believe him to be but uh, he's taking a journey walking along the road some robbers come up and rob him and they beat him to the point they think he's dead and they leave him for dead now he's laying there and we're told a priest comes by very religious person a priest comes by And he sees him laying there, and you think, surely a priest would do something to help him, but instead the priest takes a wide path around him and keeps going on. Next one that comes along is the Levi. And the Levi was someone who actually served in the temple. So you probably think someone that serves God in the temple all the time would stop and help someone, but he does the same thing the priest did. He just kind of cuts a wide path around and goes on. Now we're not told whether or not that man was completely unconscious the whole time or not, or maybe he had states of consciousness, but will you just entertain that for a moment with me for a second? What if the man has started to come back around a little bit, and he's laying there, and he's abused, and he's hurt, and he's dying, and then all of a sudden he sees a priest come walking his way on the road, and maybe his hopes got up. Man, there's a, there's a priest, there, there's the man of God. Surely he, he'll stop and, and help me. But he doesn't, he just keeps going. So maybe he's laying there and then he gets his hopes up again because he sees this Levite coming. Guy that serves God in the temple all the time. Surely that type of guy's gonna stop and help me. But he doesn't, he just walks on by. And then eventually this Samaritan that we now call the Good Samaritan, and there are things like Samaritan's Purse that have adopted their name from them, other ministries and things like that out, out in the world. This Samaritan, which by the way, the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. And normally if that guy was a Jew laying there, he probably wouldn't want to have anything to do with a Samaritan. And the two that had already walked by would have looked down the Samaritan and not have anything to do with a Samaritan. But this Samaritan comes by. And he sees him. He takes time to look. Maybe that's our problem. Maybe we don't take time to look. And he has, the Bible says, he had compassion on him. Where's compassion in our world today? In our culture today? Compassion in the church today? Compassion on him. And he stopped and he wrapped him up and he cared for him and he put him on his own ride and he had to walk because he put him on his own ride and he took him to an inn and he put him in the inn and paid the innkeeper to take care of him and then he said i'm gonna be gone but i'll come back later and if it cost you any more than what i paid you i'm gonna pay you the rest of it when i come back you see how confusing that would have been for that damaged hurt wounded dying man had he seen These religious people come in his way, and they didn't do anything. That is just how confusing it is for people in the world to see us, who say we know Jesus and we follow Jesus, to see us not love each other. How how are we going to love people that aren't like us, that live completely different lifestyles, that, that are down in the gutter that are dirty we get our hands dirty we know what's going to happen to try and mess with them it's going to be trouble and problems and trial on our part to mess with them it's going to be hard to love like that it's going to be difficult to love like that to mess with them How, how how can we do that if we don't love each other that's why jesus said it's by the love that we have for each other that others will know that were his disciples Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross and he's preparing his believers for what would happen I think they would need that preparation don't you? one that had been hanging out with you as you follow Jesus all of a sudden betrays Jesus and it's like you don't even know who he is anymore See that happens in our lives. Sometimes it happens in our church life. There's someone we thought was authentic and we thought was really a follower, and then it's like all of a sudden they go crazy with their life. We don't even know who they are anymore. And they see Jesus arrested, and they see him put through a mock trial, and they see him beaten and abused terribly. And ultimately, they see him nailed to a cross and put in a tomb. This one they had so followed, they had so loved, they had so invested in as being the long-awaited Messiah and everything they thought was going to deliver them from the Roman Empire and things and set up the kingdom of God. Right then, all of a sudden, he's gone. And even after they hear about his resurrection, they are closed in in a house for fear of the jews i'm afraid the church is like that too much anymore we're closed in for fear of the world they would need to be able to love each other as i alluded to earlier in the message we don't have any idea and here's part of the reason why. Because we go to church and someone asks, How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Everybody's good. Everything's fine. Everything's cool. And you don't know how many times you're talking to someone that's saying they're fine, and inside they're, they're not fine. And they're crying inside, they're tired inside. People better be able to come to church and see people love each other. And let's love them. And not just here, it starts here. But they need to be able to see us loving each other out in the world, out in the marketplace, out in school, wherever we are. They need to be able to see the love of Jesus active in our lives because that's the distinguishing factor. That's what convinces them that we're real and that Jesus is real. This section begins with love. Jesus talking about his love for his own in verse 1 of John 13. And it closes with Jesus telling us to love each other as he's loved us. Early church leader, Tertullian. And some of you heard me use this illustration before, probably in the, in the past. Uh, but Tertullian, you can see he lived 155 A.D. to 220 A.D. No, before any of you asked me after the service, I never had a face-to-face conversation with him. I'm not that old yet. Here's what Tertullian said. He quoted the pagans, that's what they called the unbelievers in that day and time. He quoted the pagans as saying this about Christians. See how they love one another. That's what our world needs to still be able to say about us, about the church, not just this church, the church, all believers. We need to so love each other that that's what the world sees. Instead of seeing us so assassinate the character of each other, church against church, denomination against denomination, denomination internal denomination, whatever it might be, internal church, instead of them seeing the fussing and fighting and giving them all the ammunition they need to say, see there, I don't need that Jesus. They need to so see us love each other that they long for the same Jesus that we have. So, a simple prayer that maybe you need to pray during the invitation And it's probably a prayer that we need to pray every day of our lives. Would be to pray, Lord, help me to love you by obeying you. That includes loving each other. Lord, help me to love others so that they might learn that you love them also. That's our marching orders. That's why we're here. We ought to pray that every day. God, help us to so love others that they find your love. And here's your homework assignment. Take time each day to intentionally show love by helping others. Every now and then we do this thing we call an Outflow Sunday. We did a whole series a couple years ago about outflow. Do not get distracted or sidelined or grab the wrong pattern or concept in your mind to think about Outflow only happens on the Sundays that we have an Outflow Sunday because outflow ought to happen from your life, God's love through your life to the world around you every day of your life. We need to be looking for opportunities every day to intentionally show the love of God by helping someone else. Let's pray. Father, God, we thank you that you have so demonstrated your authentic love in undeniable ways by sending your Son to die on the cross. God, it amazes us that you loved us that much. But you've given us this command that we're to love each other as you have loved us, in the same way that you've loved us. Help us to do that. Empower us to do that. Because you said if we do that, others will know that we are disciples. Father, help us right now as we pray to make commitments before you. Stir us up. Wake us up. Give us a renewed spark. Turn the spiritual light bulb on in our our minds and our hearts that we need to do a better job loving each other and loving others. Because that's the one big, huge command you left your disciples. Help us to be obedient to that command and follow you by loving like you love. And I pray for any lost person in this place that's never experienced your love. God, it might be our fault as believers they've not, because they've not seen your love in our lives as they should. And if that's so, Father, forgive us, but help us to look beyond us and help us to look to the cross and see your supreme example of love. And if they've never trusted you, we pray right now that you'd give them the faith to repent and believe, the faith to say yes to Jesus, the faith to respond to that supreme Sacrifice of love, your son on the cross for their sin. And the Father, help us as believers to make fresh commitments today. To love each other better. To love our families better. To love a lost world better. Which in Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.